Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and thank you for joining my podcast again. This is the 16th episode. Um thank you for continuing to listen to me. I appreciate your support and I also appreciate uh some of the questions that you are sending me. Like I said, uh these questions help me to clarify my own doubts. It also helps me to view things from a different perspective and um I am also learning along with you. Uh I might be a little bit advanced, but um I I I still consider myself uh to be a student. So, thank you again. This 16th episode will be a continuation of what we did in the last one, which is to talk uh, talk about uh speech and um you know how speech originates uh and how it results into an action. um uh, like we we um uh had the conversation last time it originates with a thought the thought gets translated into an idea in the head in the mind um the idea gets translated into words in our mind and then finally the words take the sh- take the form of um vocal energy through speech uh and uh, sometimes speech gets followed by some physical actions as well uh, but i hope that you had the time to uh, kind of let that seep in and see how much uh, our control of thought and our control of uh, our our uh, um the the uh, the things that happen prior to us actually talking um knowing that process and knowing those steps give us the opportunity to make corrections to to change that at every step of the way um so all that i'm meaning is um you know even even when we are uh, talking or reacting out of strong emotions these four things happen they might be happening very fast they might be taking very less time to translate from one to the other but they are happening so if we understand the process um and if we are able to kind of um tag those events that uh, where where the process changes from uh from a a a thought to um uh, from a, a desire to uh a th- a thought or from a thought to an um to words and from words to actions then it gives us if we are mindful of of my if we are mindful then it gives us opportunities three opportunities at least to change the course of actions and again once something is said it's said you can't take it back um you can't tear up a piece of paper and say it didn't happen you can't take a eraser and and rub it out and say oh i didn't i didn't say it or i didn't mean it once it's out it's out you cannot take your word back and these words have got repercussions if it's an action then it has got reactions uh, it could be hurtful it could be helpful w- whatever it is but there could be and there are possibly repercussions so um controlling speech is one of the um one of the most effective and one of the easiest things i found to be helpful for me uh, like we have got these uh five sensory organs they're constantly bombarding our brain with inputs and our brain is trying to process a lot of these informations together um and a large part of what we what what we visualize and what our brain visualizes as sees um can be different um 
meaning that we might be biased into uh, forcibly seeing something that may not happen. We might be biased to forcibly hear something that uh, I did not actually hear. So how do we, the next step would be how do we clear, clear our biases so that we see what we see, we hear what we hear, and we don't make it an opinion of what we have heard or opinion of what we have seen. One of the biggest issues of conversation is we give our opinions. Our opinions are based out of the little knowledge that we have, the small tiny perspective that we have, uh, and the ego bloats it out in a way in which it has uh, a significant amount of meaning, significant amount of weightage and all that. If we all restricted ourselves to speaking the truth, we would have very little to talk about in the first place. Now, interestingly, um, the um, the uh, Dalai Lama actually uh, has got a lot to talk about this speech. And, um, you know, in, in, in Indian philosophies, the seers or the realized souls, they have just given you the truth. And they have given bhashyas or explanations uh, to help you understand with analogies and stuff like that. And pretty much they have left it to the reader's intellect to figure out what it means, whether it's right for you or not, what to do. Of course, um, there are lineages of, of, of gurus um, that can help you train on those lines, but um, it predominantly depends on your own intellect. It basically gives you options and then says you choose what is best for you. Unlike other uh, philosophies or religions of other, uh, especially the uh, Semitic religion, religions, which basically says this is what it is. You got to do A, B, C, D, E. Um, whether it's right for you or not right for you in the sense that whether it, it's palatable to your attitude, palatable to your mindset, mentality, uh, basic nature, those are not given any concern. Um, the Dalai Lama or Buddhism uh, is specifically around logic and arguments. Uh, if, the argu if the argument wins, that is regarded as the truth. Uh, meaning that you can you can you can uh, hear or you can be told of some things, but unless you figure out through logic or you are convinced by certain uh, some other people's logic that that is what it is, you are free to challenge them, of course, in a decent way uh, with arguments. So Buddhism often talks about the middle way, which is not too harsh, not too uh, not too lenient. Take the middle path. Uh, and the middle path slowly starts to lean towards more tolerance, more acceptance. And the more, it's, it's almost um, um, uh, um, uh, those curves that you have learned in mathematics where, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it uh, takes, uh, either it flattens out very fast or it goes to infinity very fast. Uh, one of those elliptoid, uh, elliptical graphs. Uh, so the more you lean towards uh, middle path, the more you lean actually towards more tolerance and, and significantly, subsequently, uh, you become extremely tolerant. So that's the logic behind taking the middle path. Um, one of the things that has helped me in this control of speech uh, has been my, uh, actually has been two things. One is uh, focusing on, on, on a hobby. You know, for a long, long time, for over 20 years, I have been practicing uh, doing photography. I don't talk about it much. I write about it sometimes on uh, my website. 
um, but um, um, that is something that uh, I devote a lot of my energy to. And what I've realized in, in perspective is um, I have used photography to convert my negative energy of frustration into something positive. So having a hobby, and again, it's a sincere hobby. It's not, uh, I do it to talk, I do it to gain something out of it. Uh, of course, I sell and I do um, uh, do uh, pictures sometimes, uh, commercial assignments sometimes, but by and large, I have done it not to make it another profession. I've done it professionally, uh, but not to make it into a profession. So that has been a very constant avenue for me, a very a solid channel for me to convert my energies into something more positive. The other thing, um, although I have been skeptical about this for a long, long time, is how, how do we do a little, how do I do a little contribution to my own community? Um, last Two years back when COVID uh, started to take its toll, and I, I took a very big step uh, backward uh, to see where this life is evolving. And I realized that large part of my professional life has been to make money, make businesses successful, make somebody else successful, make bosses happy, make um, help them make a lot of money, uh, make your team members, uh, um, uh, give, give bring in a lot of credit to your team members, uh, give jobs to somebody who's very deserving, all that stuff. But it has never been uh, something which is more community-driven. So a couple of years back, two years back, uh, when I started to think very deeply uh, through this thing, and I was wondering, you know, where is it that I can contribute? Especially during that initial period of COVID, I was, uh, I was uh, sort of restricted inside my house. I couldn't do much of photography. And so, of course, the pressure uh, was there. Um, and then last year, um, fortunately, um, we got in touch with uh, JSW Foundation, who are into education for tribal children in India. And uh, we have started to take on library programs. So we are building libraries for tribal and ethnic communities in India, very rural communities in India. Rural in the sense it's, it's a day of bushwhacking from the nearest post office. It's as rural as that. Uh, forget internet, forget uh, con 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 uh, continuous uh, electricity. Um, but there is simplicity amongst those people. There is a deep amount of honesty and integrity amongst those people. And the, the best thing is, they are not materialistic at all. If you, if you are hungry, they will get you food. If you don't have a shelter over your head, they're going to invite them to your home. Um, so uh, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic learning uh, just to know their way of life. And, and slowly I have gotten to know some of them um, in person. Um, and my conviction on, on helping them to kind of uh, uh, get access to modern books, education systems and all um, has been very strong. So we are building, uh, the first library is coming up in a small town called Balrampur, which has got a lot of tribal communities there. Um, next year, um, we will be building a community libraries for uh, a school that's run by... Um, a monastery in Varanasi uh, with, with uh, about 150 orphan kids. 
So we're really looking forward to it. If you want to join us, absolutely go and visit the website sociallythis.com. It's got most of the details right to us and I'll give you all the details. Um, and be, you can just be a part of this whole initiative. You don't have to literally do anything, just be with us. Uh, that would give you some idea about what it means uh, to provide some community service. Otherwise, look into your own community. You know, if it's if you're working through a church, go and uh, work through the church. If you have a school, go and work through the school. Your, small, your local library would be a good place for you to start contributing to the community. Uh, your local small businesses could be a good opportunity for you to look into community services. Plenty of opportunities. It's just that you have to have the conviction that this is the right thing for you. Uh, but believe me, uh, even though you may not earn dimes and dollars, what you get back in return is a thousand times more valuable than the pennies that you could have earned. Um, in the context of speech, uh, I would like to end this, um, this podcast with uh, a brilliant uh, teaching from my own teacher, uh, Swami Shatmananda Maharaj. And uh, I told him, uh, Guru, uh, I, 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 even though I may not talk so much in public, but within, uh, within small groups and communities, I talk a lot. I love to talk. Um, my profession has also been around uh, in the sense that I get paid uh, for um, delivering tangible results uh, based on my experiences to turn around businesses, to turn around services in technology. Now, I can only deliver meaningful value if and only if the, the people associated with me uh, are able to realize the, the, uh, the, the, the challenges, able to understand what the uh, changed action plans would be and able to act on it. So anytime we have people who are either reluctant to acknowledge their mistakes, who do not see things in a broader scope, who are extremely narrow-minded, who continue to pursue their own line of or, or in a type of action or quality of action which has resulted in those failures, if they have not failed, they wouldn't have called me. And uh, they are the biggest laggards. And a large part of that group are extremely narrow-minded. Um, and, you know, it requires me to talk a lot uh, to to start changing them. So it, it happens some of the times, it doesn't happen some of the times. You know, and that's when all politics and games and all uh, all things start happening. So, um, I was talking to my guru and I said, look, I, you know, in spite of what my job demands, now I've come to a place where uh, I need to change this. Uh, and if, if that requires me to change my job, I will do it. So he gave me four things, four steps to be mindful about when it comes to these conversations. And he said, if you follow these four steps, the first thing is you have to be mindful that these four steps are happening. Just like uh, we uh, spoke at the beginning of the episode that before we talk, four things happen before even a word comes out of our mouth. Are we often we are often not mindful of those four steps, but having to know those four steps give us opportunities at each of these steps 
to change, to stop, to alter. So similarly, there are these four steps um, uh, that you can be mindful about and that can help you change, that can help you either talk or not talk, decide whether to talk or not talk. And I found those four steps to be very helpful. Now, honestly, it's tough. It's tough because you, especially if you are in a profession, especially if you are trying to teach somebody like your child, um, especially if it's happening within your family. You know, in those situations, it becomes very tough. It also becomes tough because you might be perceived as weak by other people around you. So after I listened to this, I said, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it. This makes sense. This, is, this has got a good uh, for me. And this has got a good for me in the long run and a good for people around me in the long run as well. And I decided to discard those apprehensions, uh, forego all the fears that people might uh, think I'm weak, people might think I'm stupid and all that stuff. Uh, people have had uh, you know, 50 years of opportunities to think I'm stupid and all that stuff. So they can do it for another 50 years. I, I, it doesn't matter to me anymore. So here are the four things. One. Before you talk, whatever you are saying, is it true? Have you experienced it? Very essential because we are often, like we said, you know, our brain only sees things that we want the brain to see. So we are biased. Similarly, when talking, we are often biased. We don't realize this bias uh, unless somebody points it out. Inherently, we may have some bias. We will not be able to get through the bias. So um, is it true and have you experienced it? The moment I put this clause in place, I, I challenge my own experience and then 90% of the time I, I'm, I end up with a situation, did I really see that or did I just make it up? Did I really hear that? Did I make it up? Which basically means that uh, I'm challenging my own sensory organs. And I thought that was crazy. But my teacher said, that is the right thing to do. So without argument, I followed it. Second part. Whatever you are saying, is it going to help somebody? Or is it going to hurt somebody? Now, this is a little bit dubious. Um, if it's the truth, for example, do you say it or do you not say it? Do you call somebody fat? Do you call somebody blind? Do you, uh, do you call a blind man blind? Do you call a fat person fat? My teacher's opinion here is, most of the things that we see are natural, are part of nature. You know, you're blind not because you did something wrong or because, um, you know, you had something to do with it. Um, you don't look as nice as the next person not because of your own doings. So we are often, um, this, these things often come up as a bias. So um, if you have to say something which is going to hurt, my guru's advice is either don't say it or say it very mildly. Basically meaning don't hurt anybody with what you are saying. Now I have experienced myself that it's not just what you say but how you say I personally have been um, very straightforward in my talk. But what I say when I'm straightforward is often seen as very harsh and very rude by many other people. My friends have come back and said, you could have said this in so-and-so way. You could have said this in so-and-so way. 
a little nicer. You could have been a little milder to him in front of everybody. And usually those things don't click in my head. If, if I have to say something, I just go ahead and say it. But repeatedly my friends and my well-wishers have said, oh, you have to be a little mindful about people around you and all that stuff. And now the Guru is saying exactly the same thing. If, if you have to say something that is not helping anybody or is going to hurt somebody, uh, make somebody feel bad, either not say it or say it in a different way, in a different circumstance, in a different situation. Now, I, when I heard this and I've gone through my own experiences, I realized that uh, this has to stop. Uh, it's not easy to stop, but I'm still trying to do it. Number three, is it really essential for you to say it? What happens if you don't say it? <laughs> this is a this is a real um, a real one because if I really think nothing that I have to say or I will say or I have said was essential. Nothing. I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying anything in innovative. I'm not saying anything which is extremely unheard of. Somebody somewhere, some situation must have said it. Have said it. I'm convinced. It may not be in the specific group uh, that I'm associating with, but nothing that I'm saying could be essential. And when I thought about this, I basically felt that, okay, this basically puts a stop to anything that I have to say. Which is true. Which is true. If you are trying to, if I'm trying to control my conversation and my conversation has got nothing essential in it, which basically means it's just opinions and set of observations. So unless asked, nowadays I rarely talk. And fourth point is, whatever you have to say, can that be said nicely or in a positive way? So this one is, uh, is a little bit of uh, uh, an assurance. That look, if you have the strong urge to say something, if it's your habit, if it's something that you have um, grown up with, then in all likelihood you are going to say something which is either unessential or you probably have not experienced it, not convinced about it. So even if you have to be in that situation, can you say something, can you say that nicely? Can you say that in a positive way? Now, this is one of the things that we are taught in at the very beginning of our careers. That if you have a negative feedback, don't give it to the person in front of everybody. Call the person aside and let him or her know what you want them to change. If you have to fire somebody, don't do it in front of everybody. Call the person aside, explain the thing to him. You may, he may not he or she may not agree or understand or could turn into something violent, but you have to do your part in that. Can it be said nicely in a positive way? Now, for somebody like me who has always said what was in his mind, openly in front of everybody, uh, believes in transparency, this seemed a little tough for me. But in the end, this also allows me to speak my mind. Now I have to be all that I have to do now is to change myself to be careful of the words I use. The moment you become careful of each and every word that's coming out of your mouth, your speech slows down. The moment your speech slows down, you start talking less. 
The more you talk less, the more you see the value of talking less and hence controlling speech. With that, uh, friends, uh, I will end the episode today. Thank you for listening and we'll come back again next week. I hope this is helping you. If you have any feedback for me, uh, feel free to visit the website or write to me uh, on my Gmail ID. Uh, I'll try to respond. And uh, if everything goes well, we will see, we will be on the next podcast uh, next Sunday, same time. Thank you.